0: That smell. Oh, that would be me. I've been swimming in raw sewage. I love it. I love it. That's the signal. Let's go. Do it. Do it. for another episode of Trimming the Musical Fat, the podcast where we trim albums that are too damn long. I'm Stephen Nicholson.
1: And I'm Paul Nicholson.
0: And together with our guests, we're going to be... T- the ...Georgia's okay. Finest, R.E.M. and their first album as a trio, 1998's Up. What's going to make the under-50-minute single-vinyl TTMF supercut of the album? Hope, and The Most Beautiful, Lotus, Why not smile? Keep listening to find out as we dedicate two episodes to the album. We'll also find time to share some R.E.M. jokes, talk about seeing the band live, revisit 1998, debate when R.E.M. should have called it a day, and answer as many R.E.M. questions as we can in only
2: three minutes.
0: Why not smile, as it's time to introduce our guests. First up, returning for the first time since the YouTube 2 Family Feud episode, the shiny, happy person that is Ross Braidwood. How are you, Ross? Very well, Stephen. Very well. Yourself? Good. Excellent. Oh, superb. Uh, on holiday now, so, uh, yeah, very superb. Awesome. Okay, and uh, he talked Pink Floyd previously, but he's back for REM. He's on the wine, not the orange crush this evening. It's Davey Mellon. How you doing, Davey?
3: Yeah, right. I have wine
0: on the wine and feeling fine. Um, last, but by no means least, the man who likes to make everybody hurt—it's Paul Murphy. <laughs> and, me- and make of that what you will. How you doing, Paul? Oh, oh I'm hurting. Okay, good. Well, you, you've got a couple hours of this, so it's going to hurt even more. <laughs> so, guys, uh, thanks for joining. And uh, I suppose the, the, something that we need to discuss is this is the first time since uh, we watched the, the Euro 2020 football tournament semi finals over the last two nights. And we now know both Italy and England have made it into the finals. So, who are you tipping to win it come Sunday?
2: Ross, maybe start with you. Um, I think I've got money on Italy uh, I've got money that started uh, before the tournament started and I was hoping that that would be the case that they would win it but I think England with home advantage and having a better set of forward I think they will do it
0: Uh, interesting what about you Paul Murphy
4: Um, I think Italy look like the better team but I think uh, England have just a bit more momentum behind them I think, uh, yeah, they looked a lot better last night, so uh, I think England are going to win it. Ooh, Davy.
3: This is so depressing, just (laughs) thinking about it. (laughs) 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 um, Well, I've got a couple of free bets on uh, England, so I'll with a wee bit of money if they win it but I just really don't want to think about it to be fair <laughs> okay they have been okay. absolutely class and then um, yeah they have although they were pummeled by Spain at certain points they still survived them and I don't think uh, England will be anywhere near as good as Spain and uh, so I don't think I think it will win
0: yeah I'm, I'm kind of I, I really don't know actually the team that I've enjoyed watching the most during the tournament has been Italy uh, I think it will be a really good final. I think it will be. Uh, I think it will be close. I wouldn't like to call it. Although I'm, I'm delighted it finished uh, as a draw last night uh, on 90 minutes because it won me 25 quid. So happy days. What about you, uh, brother Paul?
1: I think it will go to penalties, and I
0: think Italy mm. will win.
2: Oh, uh, right. But I think
1: I think I think it'll be a close game, mm-hmm. and they've both done really well. But I don't know. Have. Just fancy Italy on penalties. I don't. I just think. I don't. I just think they've got that when they need to that final push.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 tough, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I I, I fancy Harry Kane to score again. I think if he scores, he becomes the joint tournament top scorer with Ronaldo, doesn't he? If he scores another. So, we're talking REM today, guys. Uh, when did you oh, maybe go around you all to, to find out when you became a fan of theirs and, and see if you remember what was the first REM record or CD cassette you ever bought? So, Paul, mm. uh, brother Paul, maybe start with you.
1: Yeah, I think I was a bit late getting into them. I was aware of them around uh, like standing in the middle and because we're kind of underground, really, then not literally underground. But <laughs> <laughs> They were exactly. hiding from
0: the niche, impending nuclear They weren't underwater. in the
1: mainstream. Uh, but then I remember around 92 when Automatic for the People came out. In fact, the very day it came out, I was doing work experience at your work, remember, and you got the CD. Oh, yeah, I
0: forgot
1: about that. Uh, and I remember just really enjoying Drive, the single, and, and just really from there, I really liked them. And I just remember thinking, what a horrible cover. Uh, automatic for the People but I actually like it now, but at the time, I remember thinking, oh, horrible. So I've, I I kind of like the next sort of, the three albums including that, and then I kind of lost a wee bit of interest in them, to be honest. Okay. But, yeah. right,
0: you, David. Good, good, good stuff. Yeah,
3: thanks, Paul. David? I think um, uh, my brother Paul, he had a couple of the tapes I think he had um, Out of Time, and it was, I think it was like the Best of tape, hmm. I can't remember what it was called. Um, but used to hear him playing that, I thought, ah, they're a really good. day. Um, I think when they came out, automatic uh, for the people. Um, I'll take your word for that. That was ninety two. <laughs> yeah. um we're on, we're on obviously it's on quite TV quite a lot, and uh, I think I like, eventually bought that in a, a petrol station on the way to France one year. <laughs> really, so that was the first one I actually bought. Nice. But I, my brother had the two. Eponymous, I think it was called. Hmm. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, it was great. Okay,
0: cool. What about uh you, Paul Murphy?
4: Uh Green was the oh, first wow. one that uh cool. first one that I got and so sort of like became aware of them. So uh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh what was that, eighty eight or something like that? It was uh just what about one of my friends at school, he had an older brother and uh passing tapes around and stuff and um <laughs> a lot of other uh, sort of more indie bands mm-hmm. well at that time I like, can remember Poo Sticks I'm sure was one <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah Green was the Green was the one that I uh, that I first sort of heard
0: yeah cool and what about uh, you
2: Roscoe well, It's a probably aware of it's probably going back to MTV and and remember seeing songs like uh, One I Love and uh, It's the End of the World uh, and then and, uh, and I remember the video for uh, Sharing Happy People. Who can forget that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's actually quite it's actually a decent song. It's one of the ones it's where it felt naff at the time, but it's actually such it's a quick song. Um, yeah. not, not necessarily the best, but it was probably where I became quite a fan was when my brother, I think my brother, got Drive on single and then mm. bought Walmart for the people on record. So remember I remember that. Um, and to be fair, it was probably the first album I actually bought of R.E.M. Was, years later, was Reveal, I think. It was the mm-hmm. first one. that Because I, I didn't need to buy all that for people because my brother had it, kind of thing. And um, so that's been kind of it. And I've, I've just steadily bought more of the sort of back catalog as time's gone on. And uh, it's probably a, a band I probably appreciate more now than I've probably... I've ever done just one of these super bands that have just a bit of longevity and just great melodic music. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, for, I think for me, uh, that the yeah, I was aware. Very similar to yourself, Ross. You know, you were just aware of them and, and Palmer faces. You were aware of them, maybe liked some of the stuff. And I think with obviously at the time in '91, that was when they they really hit the mainstream. And and I ended up buying. I can't remember which order I bought them, but I've got out of time. Then automatic for the people, or vice versa, within a week of each other. So to me, those two albums are like a, a double album <laughs> because I bought them so close together, and they're two of my favorite albums. I think they're absolutely fantastic, and that—that that was me. I was uh, after buying those two. That was me in, and absolutely one of my favorite bands. I, I wanted to do a trimming the musical fat podcast first. And this is a little treat for Ross, because I know this is his all-time favourite R.E.M. song. Uh, so I've got my keyboard here, and what I wanted to do is is play for Ross his favourite R.E.M. song, just a little snippet of it, and we'll see if he can actually uh, make out what the song actually is. Go cool. Go for it. Okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) It's even better than that, David. Here we go, Ross. Your your favourite REM song.
3: in the wonder horse
0: how special was that guys is that
4: so, a eurocrat
0: has <laughs> reformed <we fought? laughs> the world wishes the world wishes Paul uh, so Ross what was that song
2: I've not got a clue <laughs> is, that, is Is it airport man uh, Is airport man is
0: it <laughs> yeah
2: I, initially, I thought, right, you came my favourite song. And uh, I thought, oh, that's definitely <laughs> not <one." laughs> Man. Man.
0: I think that's going to be everybody's favourite from this album today. <laughs> mm. OK, there, there's a little treat. So, uh, but anyway, back to business. Thanks for joining us tonight, guys. It's uh, time to take it all the way to Reno. It's the tale of the tape. Up, the 11th studio album from R.E.M. released in October 1998 and preceded by the UK top 10 and Icelandic number one single, Day Sleeper. This was a follow up to 1996's New Adventures in Hi-Fi and the first not to feature drummer Bill Berry who left the band in 1997 to become a farmer. Uh, the album was produced by Pat, McCar- Pat McCarthy and engineered by Radiohead producer Nigel Godrich which I didn't know until recently um, this ended a 10 year producing relationship with Scott Lett uh, the album cover uh, well it's an interesting one I tried to find out who designed the album cover and just could not find it anywhere so if you anybody out there knows who it is, please let us know uh, there are 14 songs on it and those songs are the well, you just heard it. Airport Man, Lotus, Suspicion, Hope, At Most Beautiful, The Apologist, Sad Professor, You're In The Air, walking afraid. Why Not Smile, Day Sleeper, Diminished, Parakeet, and Falls to Climb. Uh, the album is 65 minutes in duration, which means we need to lose at least... Fifteen minutes today. There were four singles released from the album in the UK, and that uh, the first one was Day Sleeper, which only got to fifty-seven in the US. Um, then it was Lotus, uh, then At My Most Beautiful, which was another uh, top ten UK hit, and finally Suspicion, which did not chart. Paul, over to you. Okay, so when the album
1: came out in nineteen eighty-eight. 1988... Danny Eccleston, music critic, said it will certainly sound strange to those who only own Automatic for the People. Repeat, play the hits. Conversely, anyone who has a healthy number of REM records, let's say four, and plays them regularly should manage to listen to Up without his head exploding or tossing herself off a tall building or any of the weird things people are meant to do when faced with music they don't quite understand. This is REM after all. We couldn't even hear the lyrics until album five. And in terms of sales, it didn't have the staying power of the band's more recent albums and thus had the band's lowest sales in years. And Mike Mills observed that the things that we have to do creatively for the band may not be the most commercial things. The album sold 1.3 million copies worldwide, Mm. which was a a 700,000... Thou- sorry sales drop from the previous album adventures in hi-fi it got to number two in the UK album charts and number three in the US Billboard album charts in the UK it went platinum in the US it only went gold I'm saying only because that was at that point that was quite a low thing for Rdm sales wise in America I was quite surprised actually the sales figures weren't anywhere near like I thought they were the biggest artists you know in terms of sales for albums and stuff but they weren't yeah the sales figures and and when i was looking what was quite interesting certainly from around this period their american success was quite wasn't as uh big as it had been and it was more most of their sales came from out with the the us mm-hmm. uh, and although the albums in america would go in quite high they wouldn't have any staying power then and, and there would be They'd be down quite the charts quite a lot. So, quite a lot of the sales were out with the States at this point. So, I wonder if you guys have got any thoughts on those.
2: I mean, I suppose, like anything, oh. it's like, we well, Jebby, isn't it? is its that 11 albums? Is, it, is it, This was the 11th album. 11th, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a lot. And I think it's about uh, the people, I think it's probably a natural thing that people just kind of eventually get sick of bands releasing stuff. Yeah, cause that's quite prolific, isn't it? For 83, mm-hmm. 83 to 98. I love that's pretty... I don't know if there's a bit of that, but America's a funny place, though, where you can get bands who are, let's be honest, not particularly great, can can, can sell millions and millions worth, uh, millions and millions of albums, and you get other bands where probably musically they're better, and play more influential, but don't necessarily reflects that. So, in some ways, it probably doesn't surprise me. I
4: mean, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the thing with... Um... With the States, though, that REM were always seen as like a bit of a college rock band, weren't they? Mm, mm-hmm. So uh, they were never in the same, like, you know, I mean, the they broke through in Europe to be like quite a big, quite a big band. But like when I got into them, they were known as being an alternative band, you know, um like an indie band, like in the old styles, old, old ways. So I mean, it's not really surprising because like, like a lot of those sort of like college rock bands like you know, Pixies or you know, like uh other ones like that that never you know, they certainly did a lot better than them sales wise, but um yeah, I think they were quite regional. I mean if you sort of look at a lot of their original tours and stuff, they did a lot around sort of Georgia. Um well, so yeah, it's not I I I don't think it's really that surprising that they weren't huge in America compared to here where Mm-hmm. So maybe a bit more, especially in the early 90s, like a lot of indie and alternative music went quite mainstream in, in Britain. And I vinyl you, also,
0: yeah. yeah, I think you've got a factor in this. I mean, in the 80s, they were seen as very much an alternative college-type band and then they signed to a major label and released Green, uh, which was a big success, and then uh, Automatic for the people, sorry, out of time then automatically, for the people were absolutely massive albums worldwide, including America. Uh, and at that point, they were probably vying with U2 as the biggest band in the world at that point uh, and had the sales to back it up. Monster was another monster success, but critically, it wasn't as well received. Um, with fans, um, I think your casual fans, um, that's where people lost interest. And I think that... Um, what happened is by the time you get to New Adventures and in Hi-Fi '96, in the musical landscape starting to change again and move away from alternative music, and and what had been popular as REM had really come to prominence, uh, and I, and I think that was just a natural thing. And I think their sound was changing, where it was maybe more appealing to perhaps European audiences compared to American. They were starting, especially with this album, starting to move away from what they were perhaps known for. Uh, and so I think their obviously appeal in America became uh, more selective at that point. Uh, but yeah, I mean I think obviously uh, out of time, automatically for the people in Monster were the three huge selling albums from
3: from from REM. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: I think they could help hold the road in the nineties as well, um, because the British music scene was thriving at that time, especially with Britpop. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the musical, and you had like bands like Blur were actually supporting REM. Mm-hmm. It was, that, that's how big they were at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, that, that it really encapsulate the nineties for me.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think what was okay. what was interesting as well with uh, with Up was that it was the was it not uh, technically the first album that was released under new contract. No, it's new signed... adventures in hi fi. I think no, because I think that was that was actually still under their old contract, although they signed it beforehand. Uh, yeah, oh, they didn't really sign it after person, that. So yeah, so they, they, that was the last album on their contra- on their old contract. Um, so you it's, don't know it's, if it's... six million good, good or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, it's massive. Yeah, they've got like the money. What was it like sixty million? Yeah, uh, Science, million, 56 yeah. or something. Yeah. We've got the money, and it's kind of like, right. We're going to take it easy a bit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We've got
1: the advance. We can Just chill a bit. Yeah,
0: yeah we're no. Bit we're we're going to lose. We're going to lose one of our founding members and change our sound. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's going to be a bad thing, though. I mean, it, obviously, the guy leaving, and that's sometimes you lose something. I and mean, when you lose, not necessarily. I don't know how how involved Paul Berry was in terms of the writing of the music. But it it's, was. It's, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if there's just something as well, just around just losing that, that founder mm-hmm. memory. Just you lose something in there, the, mm-hmm. mix, uh, the band, the band just, just come together, and uh, so bit of that. Mm-hmm. But then they they will walk maybe by that point. Once you get to Monster, what maybe eight, nine albums in, you want to see bands, you know, going into different territories and trying mm-hmm. different, different styles of music rather than just keep repeating themselves. I think you have done the okay. right thing, it's just whether they can produce the same level of music that's the that's our part that's for everybody mm-hmm. that's always
1: yep. a hard thing thanks for that so we're now going to go through the the top 10 the top 10 best-selling singles of that year 1998 okay so we're going to start at number number 10 never ever by all saints at number nine together again by janet jackson At number eight iris by the goo goo dolls at number seven torn by natalie Boulier. At number six, Frozen by Madonna. At number five, Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden. At number four, The Boy Is Mine, Brandy and Monica. (laughs) Number three, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. At number two, Believe by Cher. And number one was one of the best songs ever, My Heart Will Go On
2: by Celine Dion. Oh, shit, (laughs) <laughs> what a rank year for music, eh? <laughs>
0: wow.
1: Yes. So, what do you think about that top ten? Then,
2: I mean, a well, I've, of got years say, go, I've got to say, i to "Iris." That's a great, uh, is a great song. It's one of the it's, ones uh, yeah. where it's uh, it's one of the bands I've never ever got round to buying any of their albums, but I remember that song came out. I actually might have featured in a film. I can't mind but I don't know. Um, but yeah, just a terrific uh, melodic guitar guitar track not heard it for quite a long time but aye uh, probably some.
0: going to say the women ruling the roost in that top ten aren't yeah.
1: they yeah well from ten ten to six it's women mm-hmm. yeah pro- probably about three quarters yeah that's yeah. well spotted
0: um, Madonna that's a great that's one of her best songs it's a classic brilliant song Frozen yeah I know
1: hope she went and sat by the fire after she did that song. Uh-huh. I
0: mean. uh, she she there was a, a ray of light to unfold her. Oh yeah, oh!
2: I remember the video? Actually, the video was pretty good, wasn't mm, it? It was. Like that.
0: Yeah, that was that yeah. was a big comeback. Remember, it was. She's yeah. had a couple album. of albums that were yeah, it's a cracking album, really. Oh no, man! Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: and she was aging gracefully as well. Not
0: yeah, like yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the stars aligned for that that al- album.
2: Really. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it was great. yeah. Um, William Orbit, William Orbit was the uh, producer. So mm-hmm. he a all of good stuff. But I think that was said the way. I mean, it, she, that was actually like a comeback. And then after that, it, it, was, was. Like, it was pretty rank. It? Yeah. It was it after Yeah, The album, music was good. The music Album was good. Was it? Mm. Uh, yeah, Eagles. it was.
0: Yeah, good album. But um, yeah. I mean, I think that was. uh yeah, I mean, that that was one of the albums of the summer that year. Just remember, yeah. that was played everywhere. Yeah, really oh. good album. Arguably Ar- Ar- our best one, I would say. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. certainly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was good. And what about you, Davey? Any thoughts on those top ten?
3: Mariah of must have had a foul year that year. Eh? <laughs> I know,
1: she, she <laughs> didn't manage to get in the top ten. <laughs> uh,
3: well, <Eric> Smith <laughs> is obviously the best song, I think. Mm. Um, what was that, Armageddon, was it?
1: yeah yeah
3: so i'm sure that'll be coming up in the next uh, <laughs> <your top ten laughs> <I> day <would>
1: <laughs> yes it might well be yeah might well might we'll come to that very soon actually yes <laughs> so stay stay if you want to listen you don't want to miss a thing okay so we'll now do uh the top 10 albums of that of that year worldwide <laughs> So at number 10 was Messanine by Massive Attack. At number nine was The Hits by Phil Collins, a favourite of No Gallagher, of course. And hmm. at, at number eight was Hello Nasty by The Beastie Boys. Hmm. At number seven was The Best of 1980 to 1990 by U2. At number six was Supposed forman, Former a- Infatuation Junkie by Alanis Morissette. At number five was number one's by Mariah Carey. Hey. At number four, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill by Lauren Hill. At number three, we talked about it before, was Madonna's Ray of Light. At number two was Titanic by Celine Dion and James Horner. And at number one, the top album that year, I'm sure you all had it in your collection, was Coming Over by Shania Twain. Oh, jeez. <laughs>
0: Man, so man, she like a woman? I actually own. six so you think you're Elvis or something? Albums. I own six of those albums in the top ten. Shame on you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's not in the top ten, Ross. <laughs> I've got uh yeah, I've got. I mean, *Miserables* Meas- are fantastic. It's a broad album. I remember that. That was it. Teardrop? Uh, fantastic song yeah brilliant song um, remember the video actually again I brought video uh, but Miss Education and Long Home, which again I've actually bought when it first came out still got it actually uh, and it's just a fantastic album I've got to say um, it still is if, for anybody who's not no, checked out worth a, worth a go it's not really the kind of music that I'm in eh, I've got to say but it's uh, fantastic start to finish
0: the Beastie Boys album's really good Hello Nasty yeah uh, for me, that was their last really great album.
1: Is that the album cover where it's like a... <sighs> almost really like they're
0: opening t- a tin can yeah, or something? Yeah,
1: that's the one. That one that's yeah, got... it's got a cool cover. Like
0: yeah, it's that. got uh, Intergalactic it. Body Moving on that one. Yeah. yeah.
2: Intergalactic, yeah, it's a broad song, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: Is Sabotage on that? No, no that was on no. nine, uh, their 94 album. All right, yeah.
2: okay.
3: But, nice to see uh, two of those albums Played in their entirety live Oh really? Getting get to our age to do 20th anniversary Grinks will yeah. just play their entire album which is I, never from going, seen, from
0: I never going, knew you Have you seen Shania 20 or 14? Well <laughs> actually, I've seen
2: two of them
1: live Because one of them
2: was like It
3: was was wasn't it? <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. My career uh, at the high school great <laughs> huh. But no, I had seen them. Um, they played uh, a Massive Attack, played Mezzanine right. at, um, at the Hydro in, a couple of years ago. That's and um, Lauren Hill, she did a miseducation of Lauren Hill. So it was like right at the front of that. But oh, it, yeah, right. Which is a bit, a bit strange, eh, the live version of that, because she seemed to. I think she just didn't want to be there. She just tried to batter through the song by singing as, as my signal was fast as she could. You know, Slow down a bit. <laughs> And it was like um, kind of bit like a Zoolander thing where she couldn't great. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I was on, I was on stage. I would uh, say, was it stage left? So um, and then she was looking at the entire other side of the the, the hydro for the entire gig and never once looked my like, on, way. are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it was it was it was great being there, but it, it wasn't a patch on the, the actual album, which is like yeah. a one off. But no, no. I think it,
1: uh... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Shania was
0: joining us. Now I'll tell you. I look at that top ten, and there's an album that would definitely be worth uh, making under fifty minutes, and that's Alanis Morissette. One far too many songs on it, but there is some great stuff in that album.
2: So was a uh, follow-up, wasn't it? Follow-up to yeah. Jagged
0: yeah, Little Pill. Little Pill. Honestly, there's some brilliant stuff on that Is Alanis Morissette album. Yep, It's too, the too long. Yeah, it's probably in uh, October, November, I, think. I got to see that? Are you?
3: That'd be great.
0: Yeah, that'd be great.
1: So now we're going to do the, the top 10 grossing movies of the year. So, at number 10, Shakespeare in Love, starring Gwyneth Paltrow. At number 9, Lethal Weapon 4, starring Mel Gibson. At number 8, Dr. Doolittle, starring Eddie Murphy. At number 7, Mulan, starring Pat Morita. At number 6, Deep Impact, starring Robert Duvall. At number 5, A Bug's Life, starring Dennis Leary. At number 4, There's Something About Mary, starring Cameron Gaines. At number 3... Godzilla, starring John Reno. At number two, Saving Private Ryan, starring Matt Damon. And the number one film for 1988 worldwide is Armageddon, starring Liv Tyler. I know that's, you'd mentioned that, uh, uh, Davey, the song, I don't want to miss a thing, (laughs) previously, yeah.
2: Matt Damon. Matt Damon. (laughs)
0: I'm glad for those last couple of movies you mentioned. The people who weren't the lead characters, in it?
1: That's right. <laughs> I tried to have a bit of diversity.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm sure uh, Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis are delighted. Left Tyler got top building and, and Tom, Tom Hanks uh, said hi about Saving Private Ryan.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried to put some females in there as well because it was all men. So I thought i will put make sure. Hence, yeah, left but- Tyler.
0: Ben, still, ben Stiller, still part. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a mixed top 10, that one. No, not the greatest, to be fair. Crap. Oh, quite,
1: quite weak. Quite uh, poor, very weak, actually. Mm-hmm.
2: I suppose it depends on the uh, I mean, obviously, probably films that came out in '98, but not necessarily great at the box office, isn't it? I mean, that's probably true every year, isn't it? Most yeah. years. You know, you should, it's, music. Well, it's absolutely superb. Oh, yeah, it's good. What's that? There's something about Mary? Aye. Aye. Oh, that's hilarious, isn't it? We got it's... a
3: bleeder! We got a bleeder! <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: he was best <master>, of
2: <laughs> Step into
0: my office, you're fired. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, one of the best ever sequels, Lethal Weapon 4. Oh,
2: aye, with the... the uh, <laughs> I've th- Have you not oh. seen Lethal
3: Weapon 5, like... <laughs> well, um, funny in Philadelphia, you
0: can't even be it. Uh, uh, shout out to Richard Donner who just passed away. Was it yesterday? That's right, yeah, oh, it yeah, he did. yeah, 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 so, 91 uh, years. Yep, yeah, director of Lethal Weapons, well, all the Lethal Weapons. Uh, Batman made some classics. Uh, what else did he do? I think Superman, uh, well, uh-huh. pretty much Superman one and two, really. Um, uh, the Omen. The, the, the Omen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually didn't realise he was all set to do uh, the sequel to the woman, but then he got pulled off that to do uh, Superman Superman, so that worked out well who pulled pulled him off? well uh, Gene Hackman I believe (laughs) sorry what were you saying Paul Murphy? (laughs) Uh, he also did uh, uh, Shaping Ryan's Private (laughs) ah that one yeah that old time classic Um, yeah the Goonies Mm -hmm. Screws Screws
1: Great. so we're now going to do uh, kind of events that happened this year in 1998 so the, this year Billy Crystal hosted the 70th Academy Awards with Titanic winning 11 Oscars and it became the first movie to cross over a billion dollars at the box office yeah a what do you think that about mine? that?
2: I watched it uh, probably for the first time, I don't know, maybe a couple, maybe a couple of years back, even a year back. Um, don't,
1: so don't, I, don't ruin it, Ross. I don't, no, not, I don't want no, to know no, what happens no,
2: at the no, end. No okay. spoiler no, and, no, um, no. and to be fair, actually, it's quite, quite a well-made film. I mean, obviously, yes, there's is. a lot about the start and then, but then it's two parts and then it goes into the, what, so the iceberg and all that. I thought it was a really well-crafted film. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly better, far better than the song. That's for sure. How can you say that? I think it's it's a good watch And Kate Winslet um, Reveals all more or less
4: Aye (laughs) (laughs) Aye Kate Winslet
1: (laughs) Your heart will go on
0: Those were the days I know Is, is that an iceberg in your pot?
1: <laughs> and, and following that, <laughs> uh, the last football World Cup of the century is held in France, which is eventually won by the hosts in a 3 victory over Brazil. This would also prove to be The last time Scotland qualified for the World Cup to date. Okay, and the last event this year, which is a big, actually, a big thing for people who are doing the podcast, it was Heart of Midlovian Football Club won the Scottish Cup this year, and it was their first silverware for 36 years. Okay then, so that's that's the three news stories of 1998.
0: It's time to stand as we trim the talk, where we're all asked the same question and have to answer in alphabetical order. However, we only have three minutes to do this. So, um, the order today will be Davy, and then... Paul Murphy, Paul Nicholson, Ross, and then myself. Uh, so, are you guys ready? Yep. Okay, let's get ready to rock and roll. So the timer is starting now.
4: Three minutes start now.
0: First question. Uh, describe R.E.M. in three words. So David, we start with you.
3: Um, iconic, alternative, Indy.
0: Okay.
4: oh Murphy? Just one word for me, enigmatic. Mm, good. Brother Paul?
1: Alternative, underground, mainstream.
4: Ross?
0: Melodic, harmonies, longevity. For me, beautiful, positive and jangly. Um, have you seen R.E.M. live? Davey?
3: Yes, Lost uh, Woman, well, back in the day Can't remember what year, 2005 was
0: it? Yep, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on uh, Paul Murphy Yep,
3: Murrayfield 95 Brother Paul
1: Murrayfield 95
0: also Yep, Ross No Ooh, Yep, And I've seen R.E.M. I think four times mm. um, Favourite R.E.M. album
3: Automatic for the people
2: Out of Time Monster Automatic for the People
0: Automatic for the People Favorite
4: Two Minutes Left
0: REM Song
3: Country Feedback Mm -hmm. Man on the Moon Phone
2: It's the End of the World as We Know It
0: Radio Song I Feel Fine Uh, Favorite Member of REM (laughs) Mike Mulve Bill Berry Michael Stipe Michael Stipe. Michael Stipe for me. Uh, what were you doing at the time of the album release? Michael. October 1998?
3: Uh, University in um, Aberdeen.
4: I just moved through to Edinburgh a couple months beforehand.
1: I remember the single at... when I was working at Queen Margaret College with at the student Union.
2: I was still drunk from the Scottish Scott Cup final. <laughs>
0: uh, I actually remember the, what I was doing that day. Um, when I first heard it, I was going to meet friends in a pub in the centre of town. Rayfriars, I think. Uh, when and where did you first hear the album? Well, I've already answered mine in my car on the way to the pub. Uh,
3: Davey? Well, it's the end of year, wasn't it? So I would have been at university. I probably went to buy it from uh, the shop at Union Street.
4: One minute remaining i uh, uh, bought it from fop
1: uh i first heard the album two months ago <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not okay. So not. <laughs> okay uh yeah i've answered this one already uh okay a few seconds remaining uh, favorite track from the album
3: um I'm most beautiful
4: At my most beautiful
3: airport man
1: <laughs> no, I'm kidding no. At mine was beautiful.
4: Do you sleeper?
0: Hope. Uh, least favourite track from the album.
3: Hope.
4: Uh, uh either airport man or thirty seconds to go. Uh, we
1: yeah. need one answer. Come on, we're on a timer. To... Hope. Airport man.
0: Airport man. Airport man. And final question, album rating out of
4: five? Three and a half. Two.
2: Two. Three. Three. Well done,
0: guys. So that is our question. So I want to... Uh, maybe at this point just pick up on your general thoughts about the album, and then we'll maybe talk about seeing REM live. So, um, I'll maybe kick us off for this one. Just my thoughts on the album. So, I, I bought it obviously when it came came out, and actually, what's quite interesting about it is I'm kind of not being fair to it because <laughs> at the gym this afternoon, I was listening to the new Apple Dolby Atmos mixes of of the. REM's Automatic for the People and the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, and obviously Up is not anywhere near <laughs> the, the, the greatness of those two albums. But anyway, I was going to ask, have you guys listened to any of the Dolby Atmos stuff yet? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. No. no. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, it's impressive Paul, yeah, isn't great. it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Really good. You work for uh, Dolby, Stephen. I know, I, I want percentage points. <laughs> uh, it was Dolby that invented it, wasn't it? Told so, yeah, but coming back to the album, um, I think, yeah, you need to remember uh, that 1998, this was a huge change in sound for the band, much more electronic influence than any of the previous music. And, and I think that took a, a bit of an adjustment. Uh, and I think they lost uh, a fair bit of their audience in the US uh, because of that. Um, but, you know, I like my favourite bands doing something different. Um, and I think you know some of the songs work within that newer sound and others don't. Um, I think this uh, the album itself, I do tend to go back to this one from time to time to give it a, a listen. So it's not like some other things where you don't listen to it after the, the year you bought it. I, I do go back and listen to this from time to time. And my thoughts in 1998, 1999 are the same as they are revisiting it this year. It's too long. Um, it's got far too many slow to mid-paced songs on it. Uh, It lags really badly about the middle to second half of the album. And ironically, for an album called Up, it is a bit of a downer album. But I always felt there was a really good album in there. Uh, And I did create my own 50-minute version of this a couple of weeks ago and been listening to it, and that kicks ass. So the, the one that I created was only 10 songs in 42 minutes re-sequenced it and i think uh and included kind of alternative versions and stuff stuff like that and i think it's yeah uh, it's got a better overall pace uh there's a a fun jaunty instrumental b-side put on there i think the alternate versions of some of the songs are more raw and sound a bit more like if you like a, a typical rem and i think they sound better um and actually, this is one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. This is one of those albums that I've, I've wanted to do this for years where I thought it could benefit from just uh, doing something different with it. Uh, so, yeah, I've enjoyed revisiting it. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on the album. Uh, Brother Paul, So you, you, you've only heard this for the first time recently.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd heard the singles and heard a few of the tracks, but uh, it was when we were planning on, you know, we are setting out what? Albums we were going to do a couple of months ago, and that, that was when I thought, oh, I better get uh, listening to this. And it's it's okay; it's not not a bad album. But I think around for me, I stopped. Like I was really I remember being really dis- disappointed with Adventures in Hi Fi because I remember you'd had all the album, the three previous ones to that, and <laughs> I really liked them. And Monster for me was like really, I really th- felt that was their best one, and then. So at this point, really, my interest in them had kind of waned a bit, really, although I loved the singles. Yeah. The album, but yeah.
0: So, Paul Murphy, uh, you obviously got into R.E.M. around about green time, so what were you thinking of this album when it came out?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I remember being a bit underwhelmed by it at the time, and um, going back to and listening to it now, I just don't think it's a very good album. It's... Um, I mean, I remember when it came out, it was like promoted as being this is like a big change for them. Um, you know, the uh, you know Bill Berry's not with them anymore, and it's like they're a, they're a trio, and they're going to be focusing on electronic music. And the first few songs are kind of like that. Um it sounds a bit like Air or Beck. It sounds very much of the late nineties, and then it kind of sort of begins to just descend into. Like typical REM songs, but not great ones. Uh, so it's like it's not quite, it doesn't quite know what the album needs to be. So I remember at the time I thought it was a bit, you know, it, was, it was okay. I mean, I remember listening to it and sticking it on. And then it was one of those ones I never really went back to and listened to again. But going back to it, it's really not a great, great album. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't know quite what it wants to be. Okay. I think they're missing direction on it. Okay. Um, Roscoe?
2: I well I suppose I've I've only really I don't know the singles. I don't know the album that long. It's probably only been a couple of months I think I've had it. Although I have listened to quite quite a bit, quite extensively. And it's I think in my initial thoughts were mm, this is not very good, but it's like anything, it it kind of the song's grown and you, you, and you have to do the albums then. you have to give them a, a chance to kinda get into your uh, in your brain and uh, it's probably got the singles, well th- at least three of the singles, very good songs. It's then got I think really good album tracks as well that I didn't know before. But there is quite there's a couple of kind of there's definitely three or four songs that uh, that didn't make it en masse at the final cut. Um and then and also just to go with, you know, in terms of some additional um alternative versions that you had up. Even in terms, I pick one of the sort of the live studio version of one of the mm-hmm. songs, and it does. It's it's like anything. It's just subtle things where a producer produces an album, and then sometimes you hear a different version, and it's just it's subtle differences, but it's just a far better song. And I think that's probably I think the song I actually picked in the end. Um, so why not smile? Yeah, pick that 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 version. It's just a bit better, and maybe eventually see here <laughs> studio studio versions of all the older songs, and you had that as an album would that actually sound better. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's maybe a, it's how it's produced, or maybe the songs have are quite up up the up the speed. But um, I think a decent album. I, I think it's uh, it's not it's not a shocking album. It's certainly not. Um, but they definitely done better before Probably. and after. Okay, what do you think, David
3: I know, I REM am pretty much up until they disbanded anyway were pretty much part of the soundtrack of our life because I can remember every album or most of the albums from Green Onward like coming about at exact points in my life so it was more like an event when one of your favourite bands released an album you would actually take the time to go and walk down to the shops on the day it came out and then buy it and it was just spending your £10 or whatever it was like uh, it was one of these great things to do and then I really loved the uh, New Adventures in Hi Fi and I, I thought it was a great album, so I was interested to hear what this album would be like. And I, I remember buying it from a shop in Aberdeen, a wee independent shop, kind of like a flop, and taking it home um, and, and listening to it for the first time. And it started off really chilled out. I mean, I, airport math isn't the best, but at the time I thought it was thought it was quite interesting the way that they were going. And they quite relied on a lot of drum machine type things because obviously, uh, Bill Berry wasn't any kicking about anymore. Uh, he decided to go buy the farm, <laughs> but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I was just one of these things that they were great. Yeah, thanks. I think we um, re- listening to it um, recently, like, I thought I'd have a wee skip through it just to try and figure out what songs what I'm going to be on. So we just listen
2: to the intros and all the songs and all that. Well,
3: that's, rubbish, that's rubbish, that's rubbish, that's rubbish, that's rubbish, that's rubbish, that's rubbish. But it wasn't until actually went put it on and actually listened to the album when it's, ah, that's actually really good. It's not, it's not as bad. At mm-hmm.
0: ben, thank you, Davey. So uh, that's our kind of thoughts on the album general overview. Uh, let's talk about seeing the band live. So, Ross, you've not seen the band live, but uh, the rest of us have. Uh, so I think. Paul, you've seen the band... Uh, in fact, both Pauls. Is that the only time you've seen R.E.M.? Was it Murrayfield? In yeah. 1995? Yep,
1: yeah, yep, yeah, for me, yeah.
0: What was your thoughts on seeing the, the band then?
4: Uh, they were pretty good. Um, it'd been a, I was supposed to go and see them in... um 89? Uh, oh, wow. i had uh, i had tickets uh bought for me by my cousin uh, at the barlands but I was too young because it was an 18 only entry so I couldn't go as oh, part of the wow return and then they never toured again until i think 95 so yeah. yeah it was a long time waiting for it
0: oh that's that would have been amazing at the barlands
3: will get a fake ID though no?
0: I don't know would have got away with it at 14. <laughs> 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 uh, that's, that, that's a real shame. Uh, so, yeah, you enjoyed the show in 1995, and uh, Brother Paul?
1: I was a bit disappointed, actually, with the show. Uh, I mean, I, I liked the set list and everything, because and, and, Monster had not long been out, and it was like a brilliant song, and it was a great song to start off the gig as well, and like liked that style. But I don't know, I was a wee bit underwhelmed, actually.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Uh, who, who supported it was the cranberries that supported? Yeah, the cranberries. Andy. Yeah.
3: Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh,
0: David, were you at Murrayfield?
3: No, well, uh, funny if you say that because I actually really wanted to go there, but I never got a ticket. But, like, you know where Murrayfield is? And I lived at Blackford Bank at the time, so Blackford mm. Hill area. And I could literally hear what they were singing in my back garden. The sound travelled that far. Obviously, you probably can't play music that loud these days, so mm. um, but that well, was interesting to hear. You just sit there going wishing I was there, but um, the uh, first time I, I seen him live was at uh, um, Loch Homond with yourself, Brian, a few others who I can't mm-hmm. remember who were there. My um, wife, um, oh, was she? <laughs> she was. <laughs> Did she come there? <laughs> I don't remember. She loves that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember like just being in the pub before it and missing half the support acts because it was like a big almost like a festival type thing that Arian were playing um, but I never really went to gigs much those, in those days I didn't really start going to gigs till I was in my 30s so it was one of the main ones that I'd been to in my 20s and that's when I discovered that uh, people quite like to chuck piss in bottles at the band. I was like, right. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: It's, it's like, how, it's one of those things. Like, how does that compute? Why, 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 why? Just why? <laughs> why would you do that? I was like, I this here is why I don't
3: here, come man. to Glasgow area. They should <laughs> piss at bands. Just come to Edinburgh.
0: <laughs> I'm sure Michael Stipe at one point was...
3: He um, nearly walked off, sorry. Yeah,
0: that's it. I think... Uh, He's He's I used to, to say that uh, if somebody did that again, mm. uh, there was going to be repercussions.
3: Uh, i mean, I I remember... mean a wee look at the set list on that. I think the only song we played from Up was uh, Walking a Read.
0: Yeah, that was always in their set, yeah.
3: Which uh, is tremendous, but they didn't play anything else off Up, which considering it was only a couple did, of albums did, before, they didn't, hmm, didn't. Didn't do
0: Day Sleeper, no? No, no. Hmm, that's interesting. I know... Um, yeah, I mean, coming back to. to, to I'll get back to, to Lock Loman, but do uh, you enjoyed the Lock Loman show, though, Davey?
3: Uh, they didn't actually play it at the End of the World enough. You'll Find it then. Did they not? It uh, was Man in the Moon, they finished with.
0: Oh, okay. You enjoyed the show, though, yeah?
3: Oh, I saw it.
0: Uh, yeah, so I've seen them for the first time in 995 in Murrayfield in Edinburgh. Uh, enjoyed it. thought it was a good show, not a great show. The set list was obviously very. Uh, weighted towards the rock air stuff so lots of stuff from monster and i think stuff from out of time and automatic for the people by and large was avoided uh the next time i saw them was in 1999 when they were touring the album uh, they weren't going to tour that album and what happened is, I think, uh, obviously the sales weren't <laughs> what the 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 hoped there would be, and uh, I think a four month European tour was hastily arranged. So, so yeah, the, uh, so they played Sterling Castle, which was a great uh, venue for it, and it was one of the best concerts I ever went to. It was brilliant. It was everything probably what I, I wanted the Murrayfield show to be from the track list and and it was just there was just much more variety in the in the the, the set list that day and they'd done a lot more stuff from the likes of automatic for the people uh, find the the, the river um, night swimming if memory serves, but uh, they did do that send the, the world and I feel fine. That day, uh, but yeah, I had a
3: song to sing at karaoke,
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, but it was, it was shiny happy people is one of my favorites to do at karaoke, but yeah, the, the Sterling Castle gig was brilliant. And then me and Alison seen them again in support of the Around the Sun album, so we seen them in um, uh, Prague of all places in January 2005. So uh, yeah, and that was a really really good show. The Shaz Shaznet Karina, whatever it was, but uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Again, the set list for that was very much weighted towards around the sun, and which is probably REM's weakest album, arguably. Uh, and then yeah, it was obviously on that same tour they did Lock Lomond, and uh, and that was a better show, and the the set list was slightly different, maybe better. Uh, but yeah. Uh, really, really good live band, and I really hope they get back together, the original four members, and, and do a reunion tour. That would be amazing.
3: I actually made uh, a few bobs selling uh, bootleg oh. live albums on uh, eBay for a wee while there. Oh, really? Um, back in the 90s or early 2000s. Mind it. I actually bought it off eBay, the first one I went Actually I could just copy this and sell it to other couldn't people bought it. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it's it's you know, Because
3: it, it, it was taken straight from the soundboard. I don't oh, remember right. what um what, what tour it was. I had a I had a few I had at the same time I'd like um Blur doing Aston Villa Park, had early Radiohead and um one of the early two thousands. REM and they used to fly off like hotcakes until I got barred from eBay. <laughs> <laughs>
4: why was that? <laughs> yeah, but I see. I just remembered I, yeah. t- I saw uh Solomon Teen Park 2008. I was just oh. thinking about it because I'd forgotten that they were, which was a strange, strange thing that would be playing at a festival. I always thought, mm. but uh, oh. yeah, it was. Um, that was, that was quite a good because I went there because the Bears were playing on the Friday as uh, well um, so was a bit, bit I was thinking did I not see them playing at playing at in the park And there I looked up yeah I did yeah. very cool
3: now you mentioned that. I've seen them at um, Glastonbury in
4: 1999
3: um,
2: on the IPL last <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> not quite the same thing as being there David, <laughs> let's be honest yeah Okay, guys, thank you for that. Who will be the king of comedy as we share some REM jokes? So has anybody got any they would like to share? I
3: think they all have, but they all, they'll end with the same punchline, I think. Uh, yeah, uh,
0: that's me <laughs> in the corner.
3: Well, I, I was actually in an Indian restaurant when I found out that they they split up and actually fainted. That's me and the Cormorant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: God. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I remember uh, I can't believe I found out when REM split up. I, I suppose the rest of the band just weren't Michael's
4: type.
2: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Hertz Car Rentals announced a last-minute marketing campaign to avoid bankruptcy. They hired Michael Stipe to remind people everybody hurts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when when R.E.M. met the Queen, she held up an envelope and then said, that's me in the corner. Yeah. So okay. when's the joke <laughs> starting? Sorry, when's the um, joke starting? Now, now that
3: you're coming out with one, Roscoe? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, I think we'll, we'll knock that one on the head very quickly.
4: <laughs> okay, well we're
0: oh. at well we're out of time, but don't be a sad professor because we're including episode of REMs up. And in that episode, we'll do a deep dive into the songs on the album, discuss what we like, dislike, and ultimately agree and debate what should be on the TTMS supercut of the the album. So I'd like to thank a guest for joining us today and hope they return for the the next episode. Uh, If you want to catch up with what we're doing in the meantime, you can check us out on our website, which is www.trimmingthemusicalfat.com. And we're also on social media, so you can see us on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, on YouTube. And we're now also on Twitter, and the Twitter handle, Paul, is...
1: Musical Trimming.
0: Uh, musical Trimming, excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can get in touch with us through that. So get up, do something fun, and remember to come back for the concluding episode of R.E.M.'s Up. Goodbye.
1: And Michael State, sorry, Mike Milt. Can we do that bit again? It's going to say Mike Myers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, my yeah, baby. Like yeah, yeah,
0: baby. baby. <laughs> you like Ariane, baby. Good, baby. <clears throat> Groovy. At
1: number seven, Mulan, starring Pat Morita. At number six, Deep Impact, starring you, Robert Mulan. Duval. <laughs> <laughs> What's Moulin.
2: Moulin. <laughs> Moulin. How's it pronounced?
0: Moulin. 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 Uh, Pat Moriarty, isn't it?
1: Is it Moriatta? Moulin
0: Rouge.
1: <laughs> I don't know. So, is it Morat?
3: Is
0: it the I'm guy that's in, in the
3: kids? Yeah, yeah, that's him.
2: Is that the Disney, exactly is it a Disney? it Disney film? I could be wrong. Is it a Disney film? Milan. Yeah. Ah, it's Milan.
1: Yes. Milan. Sorry. Like ah. Milan like Rouge. At number seven was Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Paddy Moriti. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, my am Padmoretti, is he Italian? I'm <laughs> not Italian,
3: oh, Gary.
0: from, the, from the karate kid. <laughs> He's he like Padmoretti. <laughs>
3: He's Padmoretti. No. Wax on, now wax off.
1: Uh, Mr Miyagi. I should just say starring Mr Miyagi.
0: Oh, that's right, he, he starred in Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Paddy (laughs) Moretti. From from
0: uh, Paddy Moretti from Rome. Okay, here we go. Favorite member of Michael Stipe.
3: (laughs) 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 favourite part of Michael Stipe's body (laughs) (laughs) Michael Stipe I love it I love it